And welcome to another episode of the Guys with Feelings podcast, where two guys discuss the ideas, influences, epiphanies, and yes, the feelings that make them better men. My name is Jamin Yee. And I'm Gabe Rose. And today uh, we have another special episode for you all, a little different than our normal episodes. The, the genesis of this was a few weeks ago, Jamin told me that he was going to be doing a live storytelling uh, event at this place called the Embassy Network in San Francisco. And he told me what the story was going to be about. I was like, dude, you, you got to record that and we got to put this on the podcast. This is going to be great uh, material. And so he did and we did. And that's what we're doing today. <laughs> yeah. And uh, yeah, the story is basically uh, about uh, me getting mugged in Colombia. And uh, and it, it's, it may sound like a straightforward thing, but it has many twists and turns. And, and the story happened seven years ago. But uh, what was really interesting is for the storytelling event, I dusted off this old story, but added on basically a whole new section because um, there's been some updates in the seven years since that mugging happened. And basically an update including me meeting a famous rapper because of the story and more importantly, me finding out that the lesson I learned from the mugging actually ended up being one of the most valuable lessons of my life. Well, if you're not hooked uh, by this point, folks, I don't know what to do for you. Uh, but without further ado, here he is, Jamin Yee, live at the Embassy Network in San Francisco, talking about how getting mugged in Colombia helped him find himself. That's it. Hey, guys. Tonight, I'm going to tell you a tale of the time I got mugged in Colombia and how that ended up being the best thing to ever happen. It was a cold winter in 2011, and I had just finally given up on my lifelong dream of being a feature filmmaker. It, was, it just couldn't make it work. It was too stressful. So I was looking for a new dream, a new identity. And I came across the four-hour work week, and I drank the Kool-Aid, and suddenly I had my new dream to become Tim Ferriss. I mean, to become a digital nomad. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I got to work. I restructured my freelance filmmaking business so that I could live and work from anywhere. I had a laptop and a Wi-Fi connection. And then it was set, and it was time to travel. So I followed the basic digital nomad template and started off backpacking in Thailand, as you do. <laughs> then a month in Berlin, as you do. <laughs> and then, finally, ended up in Medellin, Colombia. Holy Grail. And I spent five weeks there and pretty much checked off all the American tourist dream travel boxes. You know, I, I was taking private salsa dancing lessons every other day, drinking lots of aguardiente, uh, lots of late nights out with locals dancing to reggaeton, and I even dated a Colombian bailarina, she's a dancer. Um, so yeah, I mean, what more could you ask for, right? Well, five weeks went by like that. And it was my last night, and my friends there decided to throw me a despedida, which is a farewell party. And it was like out of a movie, you know, like all the characters I'd met in the weeks before all showed up. The crazy tribal Swedish sisters, the Canadian backpacking fiancés, uh, my salsa dancing teacher, the reggaeton producer who became my best Colombian parcero. And it was great. We spent the whole night in a whirlwind of pizza cooking and drinking and dancing. And by the time I checked my watch, it was 4 a.m. It's time for some last heartfelt goodbyes. 
And then me and Anna, the Colombian woman I was dating, got into a cab and headed off. Now this is where I began to make a series of four big mistakes. Mistake number one. I was trying to get some. Now, me and Anna, since we started dating, we had a few issues. The first being, we pretty much had to communicate entirely through hand gestures. <laughs> Thanks for nothing, AP Spanish. And the second was that we had trouble finding privacy. Uh, fun fact, a lot of Colombians in their 20s live at home with their parents. Another fun fact, I was living with a host family where the host mom forbade me from ever bringing anyone home. So that's how we ended up on Carrera 70, Street 70, at 4 a.m., looking for a hotel. Mistake number two, I was being a cheap ass. Now, it was my last day of my travels, I was trying to stay under budget, you know, but that's how we ended up at this not entirely shitty looking budget hotel. And, you know, the price was right, the place was clean, the price was right, I'll take it. Oh, you guys want to take credit cards? Didn't have enough cash. So we stumbled back out to the street looking for hotel number two, and that's when I realized my third mistake. I was drunk. Now, maybe I'm just making excuses here, but thanks to the Despedida, I was not in my sharpest state of mind. Now, even in this drunken state, I could notice that Street 70 was weirdly quiet. I mean, this is a main thoroughfare, bustling with people all the time, and it was dead. It was eerie. Anyways, we find our second hotel, we walk in and, oh boy, it's one of those posh, fancy, white-draped curtain hotels I was trying to avoid. I could tell by the cheesy vest the clerk's wearing, I wasn't going to like the price. I asked for the price, they told me, I didn't like it. So we turned back again, and I had my one arm behind Anna, and the other pushed up against the glass door when I paused. And you know that moment in your life, those moments where you're just like, damn, I would give anything to redo that. This was that moment. This was that fork in the road, that choose your own adventure cliffhanger. And yeah, I mean, I was just standing there looking out at the street and I noticed five guys, Colombian local dudes, just chilling on the street. And since we're in storytelling mode, let's round it up to seven. <laughs> and, uh, you know, they're just hanging around, talking, peeing, whatever. And they didn't look like one single group. You know, they're spread out just enough that they look like, you know, just a bunch of different random dudes hanging out in the street. But my gut knew something was up. Alarm bells were ringing in my stomach. And I could tell deep down inside that we shouldn't be walking out there. And this is when I made my fourth and biggest mistake. I didn't listen to my gut. See, my gut is right about everything. But why don't I always listen to it? Because my head is so much damn louder. And as soon as I felt that something was wrong, my head just decided to butt itself in. Oh, hey, Jamin. What's going on? There's just some Colombian dudes hanging out. Well, you think they're dangerous just because they're Colombian? No, I, dude, I wasn't saying that. <laughs> That's racist. You racist, Jamin? <laughs> no, like, something just doesn't feel right. Not only are you racist, you're scared too, aren't you? What's your girl going to think about that? Mm. Yeah, I bet she's wondering right now why you're acting like such a little... Oh, okay, okay, okay. You win. 
And with that, I took a deep breath, pulled Anna in close, pushed open that glass door. And we started walking, fast. I glanced behind me. I could tell by the way the clerks were straining their heads forward. <laughs> oh, that was not a good sign. We huddle our shoulders together and we just weave right past the guys. Okay, that wasn't so bad. Oh shit. Out of my peripheral vision, I sense movement. That group of guys, they're moving together. They weren't just a bunch of separate random dudes hanging out. No, they were one cohesive unit and they were starting to follow us. Shit. Okay, okay. And I gripped me tighter. I just marched bravely ahead. And I looked ahead and I spotted an open shop just about a block away. Everything else closed. The guys behind us started walking faster. Fuck, fuck, fuck. Okay, okay. I mean, if we can just make it to the shop, just 50 feet away, 40, 30. And that's when the shit hit the fan. Before I even knew what was happening, the footsteps behind us broke into a run and they were upon us. Anna got ripped away from me. I felt something cut into my arm and I looked up. One of the muggers was holding Anna with one arm and with the other pointing a knife right at me. Now looking back, this was some scary shit. But in the moment, I didn't feel any fear. And I'm not saying that as some like macho tough guy thing. It literally just happened so fast, I didn't feel anything. I was just reacting. He's pointing the knife at me and just started yelling, totals, totals, everything. And I gave him exactly that. I just fished into my pockets, just pulled out whatever I could find. My wallet, my camera, my shitty Blackberry phone, even my Burt's Bees chapstick. The whole thing. And, and the six other guys, they were snatching things off me like kids in a candy store. I, it was almost comical. You know, like one of them would grab something, start to run, double back and grab another. And then just like that, it was over. Within five seconds, they pulled a knife on us, took all of our shit, and were running down the street like giddy school children. And that's when the emotions finally hit us. Anna burst into tears. And me? I was fucking angry at myself. I fucking stupidly ignored my gut, ignored the warning signs, and worst of all, put this poor woman in danger because of my stupid ass. And I, in just kind of a burst of rage, I took the only thing they didn't take from me, this bracelet that my friend had given me right before I left for the trip, and I ripped it off and just smashed it onto the ground. And as those wooden beads just rolled down the sidewalk, my anger finally dissipated. And I realized how fucking lucky we were. Holy shit, that was some real shit. And yeah, they took our stuff, but material things, easily replaceable. But we, the two of us, were alive, unharmed, and safe. Thank God. And also on top of that, my passport was safely tucked away in my room, so I'd still be able to catch my flight in six hours. And yeah, we couldn't call anyone or pay for a cab, but luckily, my place was in walking distance. All we had to do was just walk there and... I took my key too. Come on. So funnily enough, this was actually the hardest part of the night for me. Remember I mentioned I was living with a host family. Well, the host mom would get pissed at me if I left the house past 10. So you can imagine the look on her face 
when I ring the doorbell, waking up the entire family at 5 a.m., drunk, with a crying Colombian woman on my side. <laughs> yeah, that wasn't how I wanted to say goodbye. But after I got scolded, the family was actually super supportive. They helped me cancel all my credit cards, promised that they helped me file a police report in the morning. And yeah, then they got a hold of Anna's parents and called for a cab. And when the cab got here, we had a tearful last goodbye, and I told her, I'm so, so sorry. And she shushed me, took my face in her hands, and she said, Mi amor, <laughs> it's okay. They just took material things, but they will never, ever take away our beautiful, loving memories together. <laughs> At least, I think that's, that's what she said. <laughs> I'm not entirely sure. <laughs> but six hours later, I was on a flight back to California, and I could hardly believe that any of this had happened. You know, I, I left to Colombia looking for adventure and excitement, and I most definitely got that. Now, this is where that story used to end. But that was seven years ago. And in that time, there are two things that happened that I'd like to update you guys on. The first being that right after this happened, I wrote up the story, posted it on my blog, and somehow it got into the hands of Houston rapper Chameleonaire, known for his hit single, Right and Dirty. And he liked it so much, he reposted it on his blog and then gave me a call and we talked on the phone for an hour. <laughs> Chameleon is actually a really nice, really intelligent dude. I mean, did you guys know a lot of his songs are about socially conscious issues? Like, let's take his hit, for example. They see me rolling, they hating. Trolling and trying to catch me riding dirty. That was about racial profiling. <laughs> but I digress. The second thing is that in the seven years since, I've come to realize more and more each year that that incident was taught me one of the most valuable lessons of my life. The distinction between head and gut. See, when you live your life by your head, your head, it's just a sponge. It just absorbs everything from the external environment around it. When you live your life by that, you live your life according to what your culture thinks, according to what your friends and family think, according to what that random dude you'll never see again thinks. But when you live your life according to your gut, you feel your way through life. It's completely internal. You feel what resonates for you, what lights you up, what shuts you down. And the more you make that your compass, the more you verge off that main path, you start to walk your path. Case in point, if I had been able to listen to my gut seven years ago, not only would I not have gotten mugged, I wouldn't have even gone to Columbia in the first place. See, from your Facebook feed, it may have looked like I was living the traveler's dream, but inside, I was miserable, lost. Confused. Yeah, I admit it. I had a shitty time in Columbia. And this is my first time admitting that publicly. Feels good. <laughs> and if I had been able to listen to my gut back then, it would have screamed at me. Dude, what are you doing? You don't want to go to Columbia. You're, you feel depressed right now. You're lost. You're feeling numb and disconnected from life. You need to focus on that, not trying to impress people, not trying to build up this exciting travel identity, make people think you're cool. You need to connect with yourself again, not chase these shiny experiences. 
but I didn't listen. And apparently, it took getting mugged at knife point for me to have my wake-up call. And since then, I have been listening. I've made listening to my gut the single most important practice in my life. And with that, my life continues to unfold and open in ways that my head could have never imagined for myself. It's what led me to moving in to a 38-person mansion, even though I had sleep issues, health problems, and a deep need for privacy. <laughs> but it ended up being one of the best decisions of my life, connecting me with this amazing SF community, which is a gift that just keeps on giving. It's what led me to start exploring therapy and to heal trauma that I didn't even know I had and to open up to emotions and to tears that I never thought I'd be able to access. It's what led me to start a podcast called Guys With Feelings or to write about my struggles with creativity and love or to start a men's group where a bunch of us guys can get together, drop our armor and talk vulnerably about that breakup that fucked us up or the career shift that left us wondering, what am I doing on this planet? And it's what led me to hosting a dating game show from my friend Anne with four actual contestants from Tinder, which was so much fun. <laughs> it reignited my creative passion for, for performing, which is why I said yes when Shane asked if I wanted to tell a story at this event, which I know will undoubtedly lead to another awesome opportunity and another and another. At times, following my gut feels like I'm just constantly running off a cliff and I don't know where I'm going. There's no template for where I'm supposed to go. I don't know where or if I'll even land. But somehow, I always do. And the more I trust that inner knowing, the more my life continues to open and blossom and become more fulfilling and deep and silly and sweet. But more importantly, the more it becomes an authentic life. My life, not anyone else's. Not Tim Ferriss's, not Chameleonaires, not from my Facebook friends or my Twitter followers. It's become a life perfectly tailored to my needs and desires, my strengths and my struggles. And with that, I no longer feel disconnected, no longer feel lost or confused. I'm no longer looking for some shiny identity or some exciting dream to chase. Because for the first time ever, I'm already where I want to be. And that's not saying my life is perfect, far from it. But finally, it's a life that's perfectly mine. And to find it, apparently all I had to do was give up my wallet, my camera, my pride, and my bird's bees chapstick. <laughs> Thank you.